Blog Talk Radio.
All right. Well, welcome back to another edition of Prayer International Radio. Just wanted to open up in a little bit of worship. Uh, having some difficulties tonight. We may not have the chat room open. I'll try to work on that a little bit and uh, see if we can get up and running a little bit. So uh, give us a few minutes on that, and we'll see what we can do. Just want to thank those of you that are tuned in, supporting this ministry through prayer, and just standing with us to continue the work of the Lord. If you need to call in, the call-in number is 619-638-8458. Also, you can check out our website at www.prayerinternational.org. If you need to email us, we're at prayer at prayerinternational.org. Of course, on our website, you'll see some prayer request page, devotionals, videos, and we'll have some archives for some of the shows we've done, so feel free to check that out, to use that as part of your spiritual, uh, just enhancement, some of your uh, spiritual growth, if you will. Now, tonight, I just want to open up in a word of prayer. And then I want to, I guess, dive right into the Word. We'll get back into some worship towards the end of the show. And, of course, we'll be able to take some live callers once we get that chat room up and running. So, Father, we just give you praise tonight. Lord, we thank you for your goodness. Lord, we thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives. Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you are a good God. Father, you give good gifts to your children. Lord, you want the best for your sons, the best for your daughters. And so tonight, Father, we just declare your goodness will prevail over the enemy. Your goodness will prevail over man's words. Your goodness will prevail over anything we could ever hope or dream of. And, Father, we thank you, Lord God, that you're doing exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask or think tonight. Father, we pray your will be done in your kingdom come, Lord, that you would have your way that you would begin to align our hearts, align our minds, align our spirits, Father, with yours. That, Father, we would come to a place where we would do what we hear you doing, see you doing, hear you speaking, the way that you're leading by your spirit. Father, we would be open to following your voice and following your spirit. Lord, thank you for who you are in our lives. Lord, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your patience and your grace. Father, with each and every one of your children. And, Lord, tonight we just declare that that mercy endures forever, Lord, that your mercy endures forever. And so, Father, we just bless you, Lord. We bless you tonight, Father. We lift you high above every other name, Lord, that's named. We pray, Father God, that you would infiltrate, you would touch, you would change and transform the hearts and lives of every man, every woman, that's listening tonight, Father. And we just give you all the praise and the glory in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. So if you're just tuning in tonight, try to have the chat room up and running, see if we can get that going. I just wanted to share a few words tonight about obedience. I've kind of been on that subject lately. I think I want to just continue there. You know, it's very important in our daily walk It's important in our daily lives that we come to a place where we get to know the Father's voice. You know, Jesus himself said, my sheep hear my voice, and they know me. And the voice of a stranger they will not follow. And never said that we wouldn't hear strange voices. 
he never said that we would not ever have other thoughts and other voices that are competing against his. In fact, he said himself that the cares of the world would choke out the word within us if we would let them. And that's why it's very important that we guard our hearts and we guard our minds. The Bible says to guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs forth or out of it flows the issues of life. And it's the things inside that causes the things on the outside to manifest. We don't realize how much influence what we think, what we believe, what we feel, what we choose to hear and meditate on on the inside really does affect the way things work out in our external world, in, in, in the outside, in the outcome of things. What goes on on the inside really does weigh very heavily. So therefore, you know, the Bible says to guard your heart. And, you know, all our lives, a lot of us have been taught to put up our walls and to put up our defense mechanisms and to be hard, to harden our hearts. That way we can't let anything in to hurt us. We can't let anything in to disturb us. We can't let anything come in and disrupt us on the inside. But, see, the Bible says that if you hear his voice today, if you hear his voice, Hebrews 3 and 4 says today, if you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. See, the enemy's mindset, the enemy's tactics in our lives is to bring so much circumstance, so much disillusionment, so much discouragement, so many things either in our natural everyday living or through the relationships around us to cause us to harden up, to cause us to get callous, to cause us to get to a place where we don't even feel those impressions from God. We don't even hear the faintest whispers of the Father's voice where we get to a place where our human reasoning and our own choice of hardness actually override or or dictate, if you will, the way we handle our everyday lives. And so one of Christ's commands through the Apostle Paul in the book of Hebrews was today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. Don't harden your heart. But it's okay to guard it. And how do we guard it? question is, how do we guard our hearts? How do we get to a place where we become sensitive enough to the Father's voice, yet we become desensitized enough to the things of the world where they don't move us, they don't shake us, they don't disrupt us on the inside and cause us to make decisions in haste? You have to hide his word. Jesus said it like this, Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Now that word transform means metamorphosis. The word transform is the same word. Metamorphosis is the same word as metamorphosis. Like when a well, caterpillar or a, a worm goes into a cocoon and becomes either a moth or a butterfly. And what happens is that caterpillar has to 
cut himself off from the world and, and go into a place of isolation, go into a place of sterilization, go into a place where he's completely cut off from the rest of the world, and it's in that preserved environment that change takes place. And see, God's word to the Jewish people in the first five books of the Old Testament, and even God's word to us is, be ye separate, come out from among them. Separate yourself. Set yourself apart. Be ye holy. That word holy we always think means be without sin or don't do anything wrong. But what that word holy means is to set yourself apart. Be sanctified. Be singularly focused. Be so enthralled in the things of God that everything else is put on the back burner. And just like that caterpillar, just like that worm, crawls into that cocoon and, and spends that time of isolation, bends its little cocoon around itself, and all of a sudden it's got no outside influence. It's got no worldly influence. The only thing that takes place inside of that cocoon is a transformation to produce in that caterpillar the end result, which is to become a butterfly, period. Sole purpose of that caterpillar being inside of that cocoon is to become a butterfly. And your sole purpose in your Christian walk is to separate and isolate and, and segregate yourself to such a degree that doesn't mean that we have nothing to do with the people that are outside the church. It doesn't mean that we say, well, look at us, we're better than them because we've got this or that. No, what it means is renew your mind. We're talking about your mind. We're talking about your soul. We're not talking about your personality. We're not talking about your interaction with people. We're not talking about anything like that. But we're talking about getting yourself on the inside so separated and so distinct from the rest of the world, the way of the world's thinking, that you're not conformed to their ways but you're actually transformed by his ways. And this is the way you do it. You hide his word in your heart so that you do not sin against him. David said it really good. Your word, O Lord, have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. He says, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable in your sight, O Lord. And there's a direct correlation with what's in your heart. Jesus said, from the overflow of the heart, now speaks what's in your heart is going to come out of your mouth. And what comes out of your mouth is going to come into your life. Period. Not just the spiritual things, not just the good things, not just the holy things or the religious things, but whatever comes out of your mouth is going to come into your life. That's the way the kingdom works. And see where that comes from. The root of it is what's in your heart. What is in your heart? What have you chosen to let get into your heart? Or what have you chosen to keep out of your heart? And a lot of times we keep God's word out of our heart and we let the ways of the world, we let our own thinking, we let our own thoughts and mindsets come in and manifest and take root. And take precedence in our lives. And we drowned out. See the cares of the world. 
all the things going on in our life, our daily activity and our busyness and our, our whatever we're into actually drowns out, actually chokes out God's Word. Now, Jesus said it like this. Man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That means this. If you're not hearing the words that are proceeding out of God's mouth, if you're not meditating and hiding those words in your heart, if you're not confessing and declaring, so let me go to Psalm 2 for just a minute. I want, I want you to see something that David got a hold of. Just something that we always look over, I think, in, when we read the Scripture. But if you look at Psalm 2, middle of your Bible, you can turn there if you want to. I'll give you a minute. Are you there? Uh, my wife's already there. I'm not even there. I'm just trying to find my Bible. Do you want to read it? Okay. It says this. Let's skip down to four. We'll read four and five and six and seven. And I want you to just see something. Actually, let's just go down to six, seven, and eight. It says, Yet I have set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. I will declare and decree. Now listen, this is David speaking. I will declare and decree what the Lord has said unto me. Thou art my son, this day I have begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for your inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for your possessions. The key there is, I will declare and decree what the Lord has said to me. We skip right over that sometimes when we read this psalm too. But there's something about hiding the word in your heart and meditating on it and then actually taking the time to declare and decree. A lot of times we call it confess it and possess it. And some people have taken that and abused it and turned it into a doctrine and turned it into a whole movement in Christianity. We call it the faith confession movement. And there is some truth to it. And as anything, a false balance is an abomination to the Lord. So we have to have a balance in our understanding of things. But the trick there, the key there is grasp God's word. Listen to God's word. Hide it in your hearts. Because, see, the word has a way of softening your hearts. The word has a way of conditioning your hearts. The word has a way of getting all the cares of the world out of your heart, all the anxieties out. And get your heart, get your hearing, get your inside, your inner man, if you will, your spiritual man, your spiritual being into a place where you can understand the, the voice of God, where you can understand what the Spirit's leading, where you can understand what God is telling you to do. There's a softening, a conditioning. You know, if if you ever get like a leather jacket or a leather shoes or for people that have ever had a saddle for a horse, there's always a conditioning that has to take place that causes the hardness of the leather to soften up. And sometimes people's spiritual hearts can become like leather. 
They just become hard and cracked and crusty, and eventually they decay and fall apart. And a lot of people spiritually become that way because they never let a softening, they never let a spiritual conditioning, they don't let the Word of God in, the truth of the Word in. See, there's a reason the truth sets you free. When the truth comes into your heart, when the truth of the Word of God, when God's perspective on things comes into your heart and begins to override your own perspective, when God's thoughts and plans begin to come into your life and override your thoughts and plans, there's a conditioning, there's a softening. All of a sudden that hardness begins to melt away. That's why the Bible says the word of the Lord came forth and the heels melted like wax. And there can be mountains in your life. There can be mountains in your own heart. Mountains in your thinking. But when the word of the Lord comes in, it melts it like wax. And it brings a softening and a conditioning and it prepares you to hear from God. And so how do we soften our hearts? Meditating on his word night and day. Listen, Psalm 1, let's jump back to Psalm 1. I didn't know I was going to go here tonight. Actually, this is a, uh, we didn't have any worship, so I had to do this. So here we go. I was going to teach on obedience. and We're going to kind of lay a little foundation. It said, blessed is the man, this is Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. Now, the law of the Lord was the word of the Lord back then. All they had was the first five books they meditated on. His delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law or in his word does he meditate day and night. Now, listen to what happens to the man or the woman that meditates on the word of the Lord. This is what, they, this is what happens. And he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth his fruit in his season. Do you want to know why some people don't bear any fruit in their lives? Some people don't have Christ flowing out of their lives. Some people don't have spiritual fruit and spiritual experience interacting in their life because they have seasons of their life where they're not meditating on the word of the Lord. Want to know why people can't hear from God? Because they have seasons in their life where they've allowed the cares of the world to choke out the word within them. They've allowed the cares of the world to harden their hearts, and they didn't guard their hearts. I know, I've been through these same seasons. We all go through this as men and women of God. It's part of the learning curve. It's part of the process that God has to take us through. It says, He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. Now, if you know anything about trees that grow by water, they survive and thrive. You go put a tree in the middle of a field somewhere where there's no shade and there's no water, and eventually it's going to wither up and die, more or less, unless it gets heavy rain there. There's pretty much no hope for that tree. But you put a tree by a waterbed, by a water source, or a water course, if you will, like a river, and that tree is going to flourish. It says that that 
tree will bring forth his fruit in his season, and his leaf will not wither, and whatsoever he does will prosper. In other words, if you meditate on the word of the Lord and you do what God says to do, you're going to prosper. The problem is, as many of us don't meditate on what God is saying to do, therefore we don't come into a place where our, our finances come together. So we don't obey God. We don't listen to what God is speaking. We don't go in the direction God tells us to go or do it the way God says to do it. Therefore, things begin to wither and dry up. But he says, the ungodly are not so. They're like the chafe, the dust which the wind drives away. Therefore, the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. What's my point? The man and the woman that meditates on the word of God is the man or woman that bears fruit, that becomes that tree, that stable tree of righteousness, that whatever they do prospers. Whatever they do just seems to fall into place. It seems to come together. Things begin to go right for that man or that woman. See, when you're in right standing with God and you have favor with God, the Bible says when a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, even his enemies will be at peace with him. Does that mean that we'll never have an enemy? We'll never have a, a war or a, a battle? We'll never have things to deal with? No. We're always going to have warfare. We're always going to have things to deal with. What that means is that when you walk with the Lord, listening for God and doing your best to obey God with all your heart, then things will happen for you that may not happen for everybody else. There'll be a favor and a blessing on your life that just isn't on everybody else's life. And that may sound prideful, that may sound stuck up, if you will, that may sound religious or legalistic, but the truth of it is, is if you want favor with God, so the Bible says, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Obedient to what? Obedient to the words of the Lord. Now Jesus repeated the same phrase more than any phrase in the Bible. It was this phrase in Revelations 2, 3, and 4. He continuously repeated it six times that I'm aware of, maybe more. He says, he that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. He that has an ear, let him hear. And so there's a, an understanding that God wants us to have that as his sheep were to hear his voice, as his sheep were to hear something. Proverbs says that the hearing ear and the seeing eye of the Lord's made them both. So we know that God gave us not only physical ears, but he gave us a spiritual ear, if you will, spiritual ears, where we can spiritually discern and understand the voice of God and not as much as that was enough, but he gave us his word. He put it in black and white for us, preserved it for us. Over the last 6,000 years, he preserved it for us in what we call the Bible, 66 books. So that if by any chance we weren't in any condition to hear what his spirit was saying, we could meditate on his word. And as we meditate on his word, we come spiritually prepared 
spiritually enabled to grasp and experience and understand and then take it a step further and actually obey the word of the Lord. And this is a process. We all go through it. We don't always get it right the first time. And praise God that there's grace. Praise God that, that Jesus went to the cross. Because for most of us, we don't get it right the second or third time either. And so there's got to be grace. There's got to be a mercy with God. Now, it still does not uh, take away from the fact that we reap what we sow. You can't live your life in total disobedience and expect there not to be any tragedies in your life. Anytime you live your life in disobedience, you're going to schedule a tragedy to come into your life. Anytime you disobey the word of the Lord, let's just put it this way, there's going to be some repercussions. The Bible says God will not be mocked with that. Soever a man sows, that will he also reap. And so, you know, God tells us straight up, look, whatever you put into this, you're going to reap a, a harvest. Whatever you sow into it, you're going to come back into your life. That's why it's important that we try to sow to righteousness. We sow to the Spirit. We sow into things that are God-ordained. We sow and go into things that are god Assigned. Never go somewhere, never do anything that you don't believe God is calling you to do. Because the the problem with that is, is God will allow uh, failure in your life just to show you that you can't go your own way. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end of it is death. Proverbs. There's a way that seems pleasing, that seems upright, that seems right before man, but it's not God's ways. God says, my ways are higher than your ways in Isaiah. He says, my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And the truth of it is, is we can think all we want and we can do everything our way. The bottom line is, is that God's going to have the final say anyway. A lot of times it's easier just to find out what is God saying in the first place. Where is God leading us in the first place? What is God calling us to do? Instead of saying, God, I'm going to do my thing, and I want you to bless it. And believe me, I've done that many times in my life. I've always thought at times I was smarter than God and decided to do my thing. And then at the end of it, I wondered, well, why didn't that work out the way I expected it to? How come it didn't work out the way I wanted it to? Well, number one, I never checked with the Lord to see, is that something God wanted for me? Is that something God ordained for me? Is that something that God assigned for me to do? And so we're learning. We're learning how to flow with the Spirit. We're learning how to obey the Word of the Lord. And sometimes... God allows pain in our lives to teach us the art of obedience, to teach us the discipline of obedience. But, you know, we have to get to a place in our life where we cultivate an environment of expectation and an environment of obedience in our life. You know, even in Second Samuel, and I wrote the scripture now. I'm going to get to it. 
Oh, we'll get to it. Second Samuel fifteen twenty two. Let me turn there. I'm sorry, first Samuel. I don't have my glasses on tonight. As I don't most nights. But first Samuel fifteen twenty two says Obedience is better than sacrifice and to hearken is better than the fat of rams. To obey is better than sacrifice. What does that mean? It's like this. Look, in, in our Christian churches, in our worship services, we give up a lot of sacrifice. We call sacrifice and praise unto the Lord. In our Christian circles, we go through these motions, and there's nothing wrong with prayer. There's nothing wrong with worship and singing and pageantry and, and however you want to worship, whether it's on your knees, on your feet, on your face, on your back, whether you're dancing or whether you're raising your arms, whether you're standing, whether you're kneeling or just sitting still quietly meditating, however your posture is before the Lord, whatever causes you to engage with God, that's all right. Because for all of us, it's different. See, God, We're all different creatures. God deals with us in different ways, on different levels, and he knows what we need. He knows how to communicate with us. He knows how to impress things in our lives. He knows how to uh, touch us in that center point of our being where we're engaged with him. And so there's no law, there's no formula But it says this. First Samuel fifteen twenty two says this. Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken better than the fat of ram. For rebellion as is the sin of witchcraft. Get that. Rebellion is just like witchcraft. Something most people don't think about. Whoa. For rebellion as the sin of witchcraft is stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. So that means if you're stubborn, God equates it to iniquity and idolatry. If you're rebellious, God says you're you're nothing different than a witch. I call it witchcraft. That's what first Samuel fifteen twenty three says. And he says, because you rejected the word of the Lord, and this is when Samuel told Saul, because you rejected the word of the Lord, you're not going to be king anymore, Saul. You're losing your kingdom because you disobeyed. How many times in our, our life have we lost kingdom blessings? How many times in our life have we lost kingdom relationships? How many times in our life have we lost kingdom assignments and and things that God ordained for us to have, but because, and I'm preaching to myself, guys, as well as everybody listening, but how many times in our lives, because of our own disobedience, our own rebellion, our own stubbornness, our own desire to do things our way, did we miss out on something wonderful that God had for us to do? My wife's saying, too many to count. 
Amen. And it's true. We both can attest to that in the things in our lives. We've missed on too many that we don't even want to think about it because it's disheartening sometimes, and I'm sure. Like I said, there's a learning curve here. We Sometimes, you know, there's a saying in, that my friend told me that I worked for at J.P. Morgan that his father-in-law told him, and it's a, it's a uh, Kenyan saying. His, his father-in-law is Kenyan, a Kenyan pastor, actually, a, a bishop apostle over about 300 different churches. And he says, this is our philosophy. If the baby wants the knife, give them the knife. Now, what he's saying is this. Now, they don't go around handing babies knives. But, you know, sometimes it's just a figure of speech. But it's like this. When you tell a child, and I think I used this a couple weeks, about a week ago, when you tell somebody, don't touch that, it's hot. Don't touch the stove, it's hot. My dad did this to me once. Don't touch the stove, it's hot. Of course, when you see it glowing red, you know it's hot. But sometimes, and because of lack of experience, you know, once that red cools down a little bit, it's still hot. And just because it's not glowing red doesn't mean it's not hot. Just because things aren't blatantly obvious doesn't mean that they're not bad for you. Sometimes in our lives, just because things don't seem blatantly sinful or horrible, it doesn't mean it's not destroying us on the inside or destroying our relationship with Jesus. And so when I was a child, I remember putting my hands, uh, I used to crawl up on the stove sometimes to get into the top cupboard that had all the, you know, little candy bars and stuff that were in the jar. My mom would hide them. Of course, I was real good at finding things like this out. So I knew where she'd hide them. I just never told her that I knew. And uh, one day I went to get up on that stove and get up in the top uh, cabinet to get to these candy bars. And, you know, they'd been cooking on the stove, and the stove was turned off, and it wasn't going red anymore, the, the electric elements. And when I pressed myself up on that stove to get to the top of that cabinet, my hand just stuck to that element, and it was a very painful experience. I learned my lesson, believe me. Of course, at that point, my mom knew that I knew where the candy bars were, and she started adding them somewhere else. But besides that point, what I'm saying is, is I was told not to touch the stove because it was hot. But I had to learn something the hard way. I had to learn. A lot of times, we learn things the hard way. Why? Because we're hard-hearted, we're hard-headed, we're stubborn. Stubborn is a mule. And God has a way sometimes of breaking us down and getting us to a place of obedience. And sometimes that takes a breaking. We call it a tipping point or a breaking point. Where we get to a place where we're so vulnerable and we're so sick of doing things our way because it's just not working. We're ready to give up going the way that we're going. We're ready to, okay, God, I give up. I'm ready to do it your way. And for some of us, we have to go through more stuff. Sometimes God has to permit more pain in our lives to teach us how to obey. 
We've been talking about obedience. Obedience is doing anything God commands you to do regardless of the cost or the consequences. Now think about that. Regardless of whatever cost, regardless of whatever consequences, you do what God says to do. That's obedience. It's not, well, God, maybe, so possibly, oh, I'll do this part, but this part. No. Regardless of the cost, regardless of the consequences, you learn to obey God. Why? Because disobedience will cost you a lot more. Disobedience is going to cost you more in the long run than obedience. No matter what you think it's going to cost you, no matter what you think you're going to miss out on, no matter what you think you're going to have to give up to obey God, in the long run, your disobedience is going to cost you so much more than your obedience. True. I've learned that the hard way. I can't tell you how many things I've paid, the high price that I've paid as a result of my disobedience because I thought I knew better than God did. Obedience to the Word of God is the only duty, it's the only thing that God requires of man. The only thing that God is ever going to require of you in your lifetime is to obey him, to do what he says, to follow his word, to follow his instructions, however you want to word it, however you want to put it. See, if God can't trust you with an instruction, he can't trust you. If if someone can't be trusted with an instruction, they can't be trusted. When you tell somebody to do something and they can't follow it through, well, then, that just shows their level of trust. Your obedience to God is the only evidence that you truly know God. What kind of evidence do you have? What kind of proof do you have that you even know God if you can't even be obedient to Him? The biggest testimony that people can see in your life is that you're willing to lay it all down and, and be obedient to the Jesus that you say that you serve. You're willing to do things unto God because you love God. Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. Remember that? Jesus said, if you love me, obey my commandments. And so what proof of your love do you have? What proof of your even knowing God do you have if you can't even love him enough to obey and do what he says? Your obedience is the only evidence that you truly know God. Let's go to 1 John 2, verse 3. New Testament, not the Gospel of John, but 1 John, closer to James. It says, hereby we do know that we know him if we keep his commandments. 
And he that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Now, this is God's word here. This isn't Chris's word. It says, this is how we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. And if you say that you know him, but you don't keep his commandments, then you're a liar. And the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. What is that saying? If we really love Jesus, we'll start doing what he says. If you want to prove to God that you love him. See, we already know God loves us. God so loved us that he gave his only begotten son. That was the proof of God's love right there. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. God already proved himself to you. God already proved himself to me. By sacrificing the one person that he valued the most. Now God says, reciprocate. Will you sacrifice to me the things that you value the most? Will you give up for me the things that you value most? To show me that you love me? It's pretty heavy duty stuff, but this is the word of the Lord. Now I'm not saying to you anything that the scriptures do not say. I'm not saying this over myself. This is stuff I need to be reminded of, things I need to have put in my face so that I can respond to it accordingly. Romans 8.14. Let's go to Romans 8.14 real quick. Acts, Romans. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, they are sons of God. Being led by the Spirit. Obedience is an hourly event. Obedience is not a one-time deal. Obedience is a continual. Today, if you hear his voice, today, if you hear his voice, It's something that takes place continually. It's not just, well, I obeyed God once, so I'm good. No. Every day you have a choice. That's why God says, choose you this day whom you will serve. I don't mean to get everybody brain present here and brain overload. You know, we were going to worship tonight. But, you know, we worship God in many different ways. It's not always about singing. It's not always about the psalms and the hymns. We can worship God through our obedience. Worship God through declaring and decreeing his word. We worship God by doing what he says. Remember, obedience is better than sacrifice. Well, how are we going to know what to obey if we don't know what his word is? That's why I'm trying to feed your spirit. I'm trying to get this word driven in your heart. See, if I drive it in your heart, then you can choose to make a conscious choice to hide it in your heart. If I help drive his word in your heart, then you can make a choice to take that word and 
Keep it in your heart and guard it. Keep it precious. Keep it holy and obey it. Amen? Amen. Romans 12.1, since we're in Romans, let's go to 12.1. And this is a good one. I want you to hear this. I want you to get this. I beseech you, therefore, brothers and sisters. I'm adding the sisters. Let's just, bottom line is, this is for everybody that's a child of God. By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. What am I getting at? God never unreasonable in what he asks you to do. Anything God asks you to do, any instruction God gives you is reasonable. It's your reasonable service. It's your duty. It's your right and your privilege to serve God and to do what he says to do. God's not unreasonable. Remember, God never lays anything on us more than what we can bear. And maybe at the time it seems a little heavy. Maybe at the time it seems impossible, but, you know, with God all things are possible. God just says, look, trust me, take me at my word, go for it. The only thing that's going to break down is your flesh. The only thing that's going to break down is your pride or your religious mindsets, my religious mindsets and my pride and my flesh. God's word's good at doing that. But he says, look, to be carnally minded is, is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So sow to the spirit, not to the flesh. If you sow to the spirit, you reap corruption. Or if you sow to the flesh, you reap corruption. But if you sow to the spirit, you reap life and peace. So why would we want corruption? Well, that only comes from having a carnal, fleshly what I want lifestyle. Like my pastor says, are we serving Mises or Jesus? So my pastor says, you might say, who's Mises? You. Me. Are you serving yourself or are you serving your God? And a lot of times we say we serve God, we say we have Christianity, and believe me, I'm. remember, if you point your finger at somebody, you got three more fingers pointing back at yourself. So you might say, is he pointing fingers at me? Yes, I am. But I'm also pointing at myself tonight. I'm, I'm allowing God's word to search my heart. I'm hiding his word in my heart. I'm checking myself before I wreck myself. So the deal is, is this, guys. God is calling us to obedience. God is calling us to a place of following and obeying and doing what he says to do. God is never unreasonable. The instructions of God are not unreasonable. Romans 12.1 will tell you it's a reasonable service. Now, how are you going to do this? Your mind is going to require a daily renewing. 
Your mind is going to require daily obedience to the instructions of God. We talked about that, renewing your mind daily. Being transformed, not being conformed. It kind of goes back in, in a full circle. Listen, God's not going to accept any substitution to your obedience. There's no substitute to obeying God. You cannot offer anything else to God in place of your obedience. You can't offer him a song. You can't offer him a prayer. Now, if you're walking in obedience, you're walking upright before the Lord, then he'll receive your prayers, he'll receive your songs. There's nothing wrong with singing and praying. It's part of your, your you know, intimate walk. It's part of your, you know, getting to know God. But nothing replaces obedience. He will not accept any other substitution. Remember we talked about First Samuel? 22, to obey is better than sacrifice, to hearken, to listen is better than the Saturans. That's the way they worshiped, guys. That's the way they offered up to God. That was Old Testament worship, was burning a calf on an altar or whatever they did. They were offering what they had unto the Lord. And God said, look, all that stuff is great. All your church going is great. All your singing and your dancing and your hooting and hollering is great. But I want obedience. I want obedience. Look, your obedience is what keeps God's presence around you. Your being in right standing with God is what keeps the presence and the glory of God on your life. Do you want the anointing? Do you want to be anointed? Well, it's not going to come by just praying six hours a day. Six hours a day in prayer will help. But he wants obedience. He wants obedience. He wants obedience for me. He wants obedience for you. Listen, in order to obey God's word, you've got to have a personal knowledge of God's word, right? Unless you hear my instruction, how are you going to know what I want you to do? Unless you know what I want, how are you going to be able to do what I ask? And with God, unless we have a personal knowledge of his word, unless we have an understanding of what he's asking us to do, how are we going to be able to obey God's word if we don't know God's word? That's why we have to meditate. Like I said, your your obedience to God's word is the only proof that you love God. Listen, well, I'll give you another scripture on that. Before I gave you First John, listen, the Gospel of John, chapter fourteen twenty one. The Gospel of John, chapter fourteen twenty one, says. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loveth me, and he that loveth me shall be loved of my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. 
Did you catch that? He that has my commands and keeps them, he is the one that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved by my Father, and I will love him, and I will manifest myself to him. Do you want God's manifested presence in your life? Then obey him. Do you want to prove to Jesus that you love him? Then obey him. Do I want to? Yes, but I have to obey him. I'm not excluded. Ministers are not excluded. Churchgoers are not excluded. Praise and worship leaders are not excluded. Good orators, good prayer people that can pray all the right scriptures, they're not excluded to this thing we call obedience. God is calling his church to obedience. God is calling his people to do what he says. Praise God. You know, you know, just want you to meditate on it. Just want you to think about it. You know, what's God calling us to do? Praise God. Well, we're going to wrap things up. I want to close in prayer, and we're going to shut things down for the night. Um, having trouble getting onto the switchboard. I cannot open my chat room for some reason. I don't know why. But I believe the Lord is speaking this to his church. Do you want miracles in your life? God's going to give you an instruction. God's going to give you an instruction to obey. And as you walk in that obedience, you'll see miracles happen in your life. Now, do I believe God can do miracles in spite of the instructions? Yes. Do I believe that God is sovereign and he can do whatever he pleases? Yes, I do. Now, here's a praise report. You know, my wife and I, about five weeks ago, uh, we had to uproot from the place we were living. And uh, extenuating circumstances, but we just had to. And at the time, we had no idea where we were going to go, and we had some blessed friends of ours open up a, a room for us, and a few different people around town that offered up rooms and places for us to stay you know, we really didn't want to be a burden to anybody. We didn't want to have to even go into that situation. But it came down to the final day where we had to put all of our stuff in storage. 
and we had to go stay with some of our friends, and we stayed there for about a week. And right before we made that decision to go stay with them for a week, we uh, had a friend and a client of my wife's, and they asked us to house it for them for three weeks while they were out of town and take care of their animals and watch their house and kind of keep up with things. And, of course, it seemed like a wonderful situation for us. Uh, the only catch was is that they were going to come back on the 14th or 15th of July, and we had to be out of the house by then. Now, as many of you know, tomorrow's the 14th and Sunday's the 15th of July. So as I'm speaking, we're actually still in this house-sitting situation. Um, our friends were gracious enough to let us stay there for about a week, and then we transitioned over here for three weeks to watch the house for her as a favor, and, of course, it was a blessing to us as well. And, you know, during that time, I, I had to go out of town for work and had a, kind of a heavy workload, and, you know, we just had a lot of things we took on, and so we, you know, had the very minimal time to look for properties, look for places, and the long and the short of it is, is this. Um, we didn't have a clue where we were going to go. And we didn't know if we were going to be able to get into a place for, because of various uh, circumstances. Uh, but we found out today at 6 o'clock that the uh, house that we really wanted, we prayed over it. We had some friends pray about it with us, and we really just began to call it in. Uh, as far as the price and the the situation and everything that it had to offer compared to what some of the other, you know, options were, it looked like one of the best situations we could get in, at least for this season. And so God actually opened up for us to get into a house. Um, the irony is, is the landlord won't be back until Sunday afternoon. And we have to be out of this house Sunday evening, and I have to go back to to work Sunday night And so Literally within hours Of the time that we need to be out of this house We will be able to transition Into our new home And sometime throughout the week Into next week Get our stuff out of storage And kind of be back into the swing of things And so we just want to testify Listen, sometimes We go through some impossible situations Sometimes we got to go through some hard times, and God has to cause us to die to our dreams and die to certain things and leave certain things behind. And Sometimes you have to go through a loss to really appreciate what you have, and sometimes God strips things out of your life just to get you back on track and get you refocused. And sometimes people, but you know... Um, what we've learned is we decided to kind of dig our heels in and trust the Lord and to be faithful to God in our giving, to be faithful to God in our serving. Uh, of course, our schedules have changed, so our serving and our situations have changed some. Uh, nevertheless, we, we're still going forward in the things of God. But I just want to encourage you in this. You know, you may be facing some impossible situations, you may be down to the wire. You may have had to lose everything and transition. You may have had to put everything you own in storage, or maybe you've lost everything you own, or maybe you had to do, you know, whatever. It may have been stuff. It may have been relationships. It may have been a job. It may have been uh, your location. It may have been your church. I don't know. But God promises this, that if you'll meditate day and night on his word and you'll follow him, 
that whatever you do will prosper. There can be a divine turnaround in your life if you'll just trust the Lord to turn things around. And so we want to just testify to God's goodness. You know, we've been going through the last couple months of major transition, having to pack up everything we own and even sell some of the things that we own and place the rest of it in storage and, you know, just kind of live out of suitcases. And, I mean, I'm not kidding when I say that. And anyone that knows us and has been around us knows that we're going through this season. But, you know, God's faithful, and we just want to give glory to God. He's opened up a door for us. And I believe that he'll do the same for you. I want to pray for you. Uh, First, that God would just continue to put a spirit of obedience in you and get you to a place where you can hear his voice and obey. And then whatever season you're in, that this would be a turnaround year for you. That this will be a turnaround comeback season for you where you get refocused and refreshed and back on track in the things of God. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just ask, Father, for your kingdom to come and your will to be done, Lord, over every person listening tonight or today, whatever time of day it is, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would reveal yourself to them in a mighty way. Lord, we pray for a spirit of obedience, that you would open up their ears to hear, cause their eyes to see, move in their hearts and cause them to obey what they hear. Father, put in them... Lord, just a willingness and an obedience, Lord God, to to just see your goodness and to see this divine turnaround, to see a divine comeback, to see that you're right around the corner. Their blessing is right around the corner, Lord, and that if they'll just hold on and they'll be diligent, if they'll not be weary in well-doing, that they'll reap a harvest if they faint not. So, Father, we just pray, Lord, over every person, We ask your blessings over them tonight. And we just thank you for it. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Well, this is Prayer International Radio. My name is Chris Herzog. We're going to be signing off tonight. We just want to thank you for listening, for praying, for being open to what the Spirit had to say. What uh, I was sharing tonight, I believe, was really what the Lord wanted me to share. And, of course, we'll continue on the subject. You know, it's going to be the most important thing you ever get down in your Christian walk is obedience. Hear the Lord. Hear the word of the Lord and do what he says. So listen, bless you. We pray that you be in good health. We pray that you prosper. Pray that your marriages and your parent-child relationships, your church relationships, your ministries would be flowing in the things of God. If you don't know him, I just want to encourage you, get to know him. Just open up your heart. Say, Jesus, come into my heart. Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Jesus, reveal yourself to me in a real and genuine way. Just give him your life tonight. Give him your life today. Turn your will over to his. Turn your plans over to him. Ask him for his will and his plans and his assignment for your life. He loves you.
We're praying for you. And God bless you tonight. Have a blessed night. In Jesus' name.
all the earth, Father, a place where you can dwell. Dwell in these hearts tonight, Lord. Draw near to us tonight, Lord. Saturate us in this place, Lord. Rivers of glory. Streams of healing, Lord. Streams of mercy, Lord, for all those who are thirsty tonight. A resting place, Lord. A resting place, Lord. Make this your resting place, Lord. Just give me your heart tonight. Lord, we surrender our hearts to you. We surrender our hearts, Lord. Everything that we are, we surrender now, Lord, to you, Jesus. We surrender, Lord.